Behind every great artist, there's a great band who help take the music from the studio to the stage. In each episode, I talk with some of the most accomplished and sought-after musicians in the world, delving into the details of their backgrounds, their stories, and their journeys, doing away with the fiction, and getting into the facts. It's not about the hype. It's not about the product. It's about the players. What's up, everybody? Thanks for downloading or tuning in to this episode of the podcast. I hope everyone is keeping safe and well in the midst of this global pandemic. I know we can't get out and play a whole lot of music, but at least on here we can talk about it. In this episode, I caught up with Lily Karasik during lockdown. She's a trumpet player from the north of England, and we talk about all aspects of her fascinating journey, from the pubs of Lancaster to the main stage of Glastonbury. Check it out. All right, anyway, today I'm here with Lily Karasik, um, chopping it up. Lily, how are you? I'm really good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No, thanks for... Picking up the phone or the computer, <laughs> whatever it is that we've done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really looking forward to talking to you and getting to know a little bit about, or I guess a little bit more about you and your music. Yeah. So um, how are you getting on in this whole kind of lockdown time right now? Oh, man. I mean, I feel like everyone else I've been up and down. Um, sometimes I have like motivation and I have practice and focus and I'll get up and I'll play the trumpet and I'll do the usual rudiments and maybe even be a bit creative. But then there's, Show you know, off. like, yeah, yeah well, this is it. but then the rest of the time, you know, I'm finding it hard. It's really hard. I mean, I was kind of brought up to think that music was a collaborative effort and was a conversation starter and you know was to be had between a few people so I find it really hard to be on my own and 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 try and have that motivation to do music so but I feel like Mm. everyone's in the same boat you know everyone I talk to is has a you know good and bad days about it so yeah I don't know how are you finding it um you know what I'm like um I'm a I'm a bit of a lab rat so it's like (laughs) I I enjoy being in the studio I enjoy Mm. being quite a hermit working on things and I've always been like that like I could be working on something in the studio and people are like don't you need like fresh sunlight I'm like no I'm like <laughs> I'll be like no this is this is fine let's just do the this the screen fucking... gives me all the light I need yeah yeah, this, yeah exactly so it's like and I've, I've gotten trouble with that like in rehearsals before the, you know bands will be like dude it's fucking can we have a break or can we stop and I'm like I really... oh shit I'm sorry yeah I, I'll always you tell forget. people like yeah I tell people like listen don't go by me because I'm a bit weird so it's like yeah i it is um i think that i'm cognizant of the fact that over time it's going to be more and more challenging for lots of different people and i think like you i really do enjoy that kind of communion with other musicians and other people but at the same time i haven't had this type of extended time in like maybe 15 years so i'm just Mm. enjoying being a bit of a nerd yeah maybe um, having a break in a way yeah yeah well we we say that but i mean i'm definitely doing a lot i'm (laughs) I'm definitely i'm definitely doing a lot of music so (laughs) but either way yeah it's it but it's fine though do you know what i mean and it's just Mm. one of these things like whether we like it or not we got to deal with it right so um, totally yeah (laughs) so it's one of those things i don't like to say it is what it is because that's kind of (laughs) overused but 
it is what it is. <laughs> it is what it be. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, like, um, when I was kind of prepping for this conversation, I realized, obviously, I know you, but then there's obviously a whole lot about yeah. you that I really actually don't know. We've had a few kind of brief interactions, but so true, yeah. not enough to kind I of... I think the last time I saw you was at Glastonbury. Um, you were doing Stormzy, the Stormzy event, and I just come off from uh, the George Ezra gig, which was just before it, and that was the, wow. it was one of those classic just run in, hi, how's it going? And then you were off doing your thing, I was doing something else, and I feel like wow. I see that once a okay. year. There's one of those, isn't there, or something. <laughs> Do you know what? I And normally I remember shit like that, but I don't even remember that, which means that that was a fucking mental day. That was a, <laughs> no, that was that was definitely a crazy day. I mean, that was... Um, that was a biggest. crazy gig. I watched that later. That was incredible. Like, that yeah. must have been so much fun. Yeah, afterwards, yeah. yeah I mean, okay, yeah. to be, no, to, to <laughs> be honest enough. with you, I think it wasn't even bad. To be honest with you, I, I'll tell you what it was about that, is that... Mm. Um, it was obviously a huge show, a huge production, mm. all of that. But it was it was a one shot deal. Like we that was the only time we did it. So it's not like the same thing. It's one thing when you do like a performance and the band's, mm. you know, you've been rehearsing for a long time and then the band's been on the road for like mm. three or four months and this and that, whatever. Like that's like that performance in of itself was an island. So mm. so much could have gone wrong. So much did actually go wrong. But oh, no, um, really? oh yeah, 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 absolutely. But you know, but it was yeah, it was amazing. It was a great kind of day. But again, like there were a lot of kind of like I, yeah, like I, I could have been bumped into people left, right, and center, <laughs> and. Um, yeah. God knows what I would have been like. I hope I was nice. I hope I was polite. No, you were, you were lovely. But yeah, we, you know, you had a lot on your plate. But um, yeah. But to be honest, I feel like an event like Glastonbury, everyone has those. You feel like you meet a million people, but you can't remember any of them. You know, it's such um, so many people. And yeah, it's a huge thing. But yeah, congratulations for that. It was amazing. Ah, Thank you, man. Thank you. I think it was just, a, it was, you know, it's a... It's an interesting moment in time anyway. Do you know what I mean? Mm, I think it was, mm. you know, that particular artist at that particular time on that particular yeah. stage. Do you know what I mean? And then yeah, for it all it to huge. work out well was um, was lovely. So, yeah. But <laughs> enough about old Stormzy. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we want to talk about you. So tell mm. me, um, where are you from originally? So I'm from Lancaster, which is um, near the Lake Districts, very, very mm-hmm. north of England, the grim north. <laughs> no, um, no, no. Some of my... <laughs> I got some great friends from up there, so I wouldn't really? say that at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good bands. Oh, man. It's, yeah, a lot of bands. A lot of, um, we'll take the piss out of you, something chronic. Um, it took me a long time. Honestly, when I first moved to London, my dad's from London, I should say. But when uh-huh. I first moved to London for uni, um, I it took me a long time to realise that not everyone really appreciated being really rinsed all the time, you know, and I had to kind of tone that down and realise that actually just being nice or just like saying a nice word, actually people really respond to that in London. Um, but it took a while of reprogramming, but I've, got, I've right, kind of got right. there now. <laughs> so um, what sparked your interest in playing music? Um, well, like I said, I mentioned my dad, um, he was in the arts, he was a, actually actor um, in okay. London and was one of those people that could just play any instrument, you know, he's one of those absolute dicks who can <laughs> right, pick any right. instrument and he just understands how it works. And so when I was growing up, he'd actually left acting and was a full-time musician, really. Um, okay. And so he'd have 
every instrument coming through the house and be playing music. He's very passionate about classical music and good soul pop music. And so Mm -hmm. I was brought up with Stevie Wonder and James Taylor. They were like my other dads. um, I'm so thankful for that. Um, And yeah, one day he brought home a tuba. Because mm-hmm. he decided to play in a klezmer band as the tuba player, obviously. And uh, <laughs> right. it's just as you do. And he brought home a tuba and I just had a go on it and I just had a lip for it. Um, it just wow. kind of was something a bit natural about it. Obviously, it's a crazy hard instrument and I've since tried it and I don't get anywhere with it. But there was just something I could connect with. Um, so because my parents were very strict and very commitment um, focused, Mm -hmm. I wasn't allowed to buy a trumpet for the first like five years of wanting one. I had to join the local marching band or I had to join a jazz band so I could hire the trumpet or the cornet and borrow my friends for a while, prove that I was worthy of buying like a hundred pound trumpet. But finally they did let in and um, and I got a little trumpet and then kind of that was was it. (laughs) How old were you when you started playing tuba? Um, well, yeah, I think that was, um, I was about eight years old, I think. I'm just trying but, to imagine yeah. this tiny girl with a tuba. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. That's it was, yeah, it was a bit ridiculous, to be honest. But I mean, the weirder the yeah. better for me at that time. I was a bit of an oddball. <laughs> right, right. And I was going to say, even with, that explains your choice of trumpet. But like the few sort of times that I've ever try to put my mouth on a trumpet it's just like it's like a brutal instrument to play man like what made you like was it the sound like like why did you still like had you thought of any other instrument like it was just an attraction you had to it right i mean i I mean it's interesting i mean it's um funnily enough my boyfriend's a trumpet player so i kind of am learning more about other trumpet players now um Uh But I think it's one of the most honest instruments. You know, you mm. can't really be envious of other trumpet players in the same <laughs> way as you can with other mu- other musicians because there's no secret to it. It's just right. time. You know, when you hear someone that's got that range or someone that's got that dexterity on, on the trumpet, they've mm-hmm. put in a huge amount of time, as, as, as any instrumentalist, but there's something really unforgiving um, about the trumpet. Um, yeah, you know, yeah. like if you go a couple of days without playing, you're kind of back to square one. So wow. it's a huge amount of muscle build and discipline. And so, no, I can't say that I'll, that was what drew me to the trumpet. I'm yeah, definitely not yeah. a hard worker at heart. Yeah. But um, I, I tried, I think I tried the harp. I loved the harp when I was a kid. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously the piano, my dad's a piano teacher. So I had to do the piano every, every week, um, things like that. But to be honest, I think... What really drew me to the trumpet was just that um, physical element that maybe at first on the tube when I tried it out, kind of something was just working already. The the clogs were kind of turning. Right, um, right. And then later on, I think as I was able to get more sound out of it and feel a bit more fluent, um, I think trumpet's su- such a great instrument because it's like the closest instrument to voice. It's kind of the same pitch as your voice, the, the same way that you have to pitch a note when you're singing, you have to pitch the sound on the trumpet because it's limited button-wise, you know. Um, and all those elements, because I think I've always wanted to be a gospel singer. <laughs> um, <laughs> right. I've, I've always looked up to, like, Karen Clarkshear, Jasmine Sullivan, um Mm-hmm. and I'm a huge fan of those singers, so I really always wanted those pipes. And obviously I don't have them. I'm from Lancaster. <laughs> I'm as white as they come. And, well, I was going to say that, but do you sing? But do you sing? Um, I sing for 
practical reasons you know like I love (laughs) songwriting so I'll sing to get the song across but I try and involve other much better singers when I can right Um, right right it's not really my bag and I I kind of I've accepted that but I'm (laughs) I'm glad that the the trumpet comes with that element really that you can kind of get your voice and your own tone out like like with us with a you know with your voice I suppose yeah no it's something that like obviously like I, it's something I didn't understand fully about trumpet until very recent years, really, just being just ignorant me, just knowing the instruments that I play or that I've kind of mm. connected to, but not really understanding how much the actual, how di- the differences between players in terms of their range, mm. the tone, all of that. I mean, I, I could I understood tone, but I didn't realize this, even the whole range issue. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I didn't it's crazy. You wouldn't. You think you wouldn't go into trumpet playing if you knew that. I don't think you know no, if you I'm knew not. that. If you, actually you and the next guy could be a range apart based on what you've been working on, like you would yeah. never want to do it. It sounds so hard, you know. It's that's. I just figure instrument. It goes from there to there. Like it's, it's just like that's, it that's should how do, Kojo. Fucking should do. Like yeah. it's a nightmare. <laughs> it's a nightmare. <laughs> Jesus. So, who were your um, favorite players growing up? Um, I mean, I was a big Lee Morgan fan. To be honest, I listened to what my dad listened to when I was right. um, kind of finding my own teenage way through like music. I kind of went more avant-garde. Like, I was really into Bjork or Venetian snares or just uh-huh, everything uh-huh. that my dad wasn't listening to. Um, <laughs> right. But in terms of jazz, we had a lot of um, jazz messengers in the house. So I loved Lee Morgan. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't know a lot of Freddie Hubbard then, but I do listen to him more now. And to be honest, Miles was a huge influence. I sure, loved his sure. fuck you attitude. And, you know, when I used to read about him turning his back on the audience and trying yeah, to do his own yeah, thing, yeah. I really responded to that. I thought that was just so fucking rock star. Um, Absolutely. And I loved that he had his, he was so confident with his own sound. And that was the most important to hi- thing to him was, was being an individual. And I think I really um, liked that idea because I tried classical music and symphony orchestras and it just wasn't for me I felt like I needed to show off way more than that <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to be individual and different and cool and uh, jazz trumpet kind of found me in that way yeah yeah no Miles was like for me Miles is definitely one of my biggest influences just as a musician in general mm. do you know what I mean because I just yeah. loved his attitude um, <laughs> I loved his approach I loved the way he always evolved and changed with the time do you know what I mean totally um, he's such an inspiration yeah. for that isn't he yeah absolutely absolutely so um, obviously I understand you know your father was a big influence mm. um, on you with regards to jazz music but what other types of music were you listening to growing up or, or were you wanting to play? I mean, you mentioned a few acts there, but I mean, I'm thinking about when you're actually playing and learning the instrument. How were you going about that? Um, yeah, I mean, I loved Stevie. I loved James mm-hmm. Taylor. That was our, like, car music, you know, when you're going on trips mm-hmm. and stuff. That was the music we were listening to. Um, we played a lot of Brazilian music that oh, I'm starting nice. to get into, actually, on lockdown, um, listening to more of that because... I really believe, oh my God, I should be learning so much more Brazilian music than I do know. I think Mm, that's mm. that's where rhythm comes from in so many ways. When you listen to that amazing Brazilian music. Anyway, so I listened to a bit of that. Um, And then I think when I started playing... um, do you know what's interesting is in Lancaster, there's like a little pocket for um, very avant-garde 
um, very new jazz, free jazz. Right. I wouldn't, as I, I wouldn't have thought that. <laughs> yeah. Mate, yeah. I don't fucking know why it's there, but for, there's this pocket of it. And um, uh-huh. I was really lucky that a friend how, of how mine... How are we talking? Are we talking Sunra um, type? Like, <laughs> well, no, like, oh, God. Um, it was... So, so I, I joined a band when I was about 13 with my friend, and mm-hmm. um, we joined this group, and there was a bass player and a drummer, and they were a bit, you know, like, 15 years older than us, whatever. Seemed mm-hmm. like a million years at the time, but now that, you know, they're, they're lovely guys we're still friends with. Um, mm-hmm. And they wanted to join, like start this band. So me and her joined. Bearing in mind, I could barely play the trumpet at this point, but I had that <laughs> right, Miles Davis right. attitude of, you know, right. I'm fucking going to be great, so let's fucking do this. <laughs> I was so cocksure, my God. It's so embarrassing now. Um, That's the way you have to be. But yeah, That's so we... Yes, this is it. So um, until you go to uni and they just kick kick it out of you. Then. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I was like really into that. So when they were like, okay, we're starting this free band. So it's a lot of, you know, bearing up, we performed in pubs, you know, like really northern rough pubs. <laughs> and we'd be there doing this like 7-8, 7-4 music. Then it changes to 2-4, 1-4, 5-4. Like every bar's a different key signature. We're making it really avant-garde. And then the next, this section, it, when we go to section B, guys, we're going to just play whatever you want, but feel angry. You know, like, I'm feeling like so <laughs> bizarre and um, <laughs> like anything I do now. But wow, so I, th- wow. it was kind of a really great place for a young um, player because it was freedom to just express. And there's kind of, you can't really play wrong when you're doing that stuff. You know, it's so just about what, what you're feeling, what you want to do. <laughs> so in a way, I think that's mm. that, like a lot of the confidence that, that came out from that was really due to being in those bands where there was a lot of just freedom to express and play however I wanted to play. Which mm-hmm. maybe hindered me later on in life, but definitely at that time <laughs> um, was a lot of fun. <laughs> it was yeah, really, yeah, and I would yeah. really encourage young players to try a bit of that because you can get so bogged down in the harmony and getting things right and getting things wrong. And But that'll always come, you know, so it's fun to have just a bit of playground playing, you know. Sure, sure. And did you, um, did you have a teacher? Were you having lessons? Yeah, um, I always had classical lessons, you know, like the ABRSM mm-hmm. exams um, I did from like the first to the eighth. Um, also, because I, I realised when I was about 17 that I probably wanted to go to a conservatoire to study jazz. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all said you needed to have a grade eight with distinction. So I was always working towards that. Um, and I was lucky that there were some really lovely teachers. Um, I had uh, Terry Reaney springs to mind, who was a mm-hmm. lovely um kind of straight ahead teacher but also he'd played in the old like glenn miller style stuff and and okay, taught okay. me a lot about technique and being in a band um which was great and got me through those exams okay i wasn't i didn't love them <laughs> if i'm honest right, i hated right, exams right, right. i hated <laughs> all that stuff but i knew i, I needed to do it and i'm glad sure. that now that i did you know and um why did you come to london um, I weighed up a few conservatoires. I applied for like Birmingham, Wales, but actually um, Trinity College of Music in in Greenwich mm-hmm, um, ended mm-hmm. up being the place that I went to, and I'm I'm very fortunate that I went there. I feel very fortunate, mainly because there's just so much going on in London, and I really feel like. Um, I wouldn't have the opportunities I've had now if I hadn't been in London. Sure, Maybe, sure. you know, there's a lot to be said for the other cities, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I'm re- I feel very 
um, fortunate that I was able to go to Ronnie's every other night or I was able to go to see the Haggerston where there was a lot of jam sessions and mm-hmm. meeting people and finding out about other other bands and I wouldn't have started commercial music um, you know if I hadn't really been in London and needed to pay for stuff <laughs> right, <laughs> but I'm right, so glad right. that I did end up going down that road because it's led me where I am now you know so yeah London was sure. a great shout how was it adapting to being in London and studying jazz in London, just not just musically, but socially as well? Mm. I found it really hard, actually. Um, I found the transition really difficult. I didn't realise, considering my dad's from London, mm-hmm. how much of a north-south divide there really is and how strongly I felt about being from the north. And, mm-hmm. you know, we mentioned before about, you know, when I was meeting Londoners um, for the first time and I realised that people didn't want to be taken the piss out of. There was a lot <laughs> right, of stuff right. like that. You know, like, honestly, I mean, my group of friends, I don't know what happens now, I suppose, but definitely in my, when I was growing up, we didn't hug each other to say hi. We, you know, it was like a nod, <laughs> right, like, you right. right. But in right. London, everyone hugs, you know, everyone, <laughs> right. there's an embrace at every moment of your You're interaction. Thinking like, get off of me. <laughs> I was, it took me a long time to be like, what are you doing? Um, yeah. You know, things like that. So there's like cultural things in a way. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so it took me a, a while to come out of my shell. Also, to be fair, I went to a conservatoire and, you know, it's not exactly fame, but there's definitely a lot of big characters and people that have been in, you know, maybe the big fish in their area and maybe a bit cocksure. So there's a lot of big personalities. And um, I think I found that really intimidating to start with. And I've, I kind of felt a bit shy and a bit awkward. Um, but um, I'm glad that I stuck it out. And, and eventually I kind of found the people that I ended up forming really lovely friendships with and, and kind of continued to stick it out in a way <laughs> yeah sure 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 did you enjoy studying that way at that point in time in your life um hand on heart I don't know if it was the right course for me um okay. I'm so glad that I went there and you know I met people like Nabai Garcia um Chelsea Carmichael who are still very good friends of mine now mm-hmm. I'm very lucky to have met them um there was some wonderful music, like Laura Judd was still there, um, a fabulous female trumpet player um, wow. who's an incredible jazz jazz musician. Um, it was an inspiration for a lot of people I know. You know, so like it was it was great for meeting people and some of the lessons I had I'll value, you know, forever. But honestly, it I was out of my depth, you know, having come from this avant-garde, free-for-all kind of background to changes and bebop and here's kind of the right way you do it and here's kind of the wrong way you're approaching it and i think that that's a good thing and i think it's good to have discipline in jazz and and obviously they need to find a way of marking it but honestly for me it was um i don't know i think i think i wasn't quite ready so i found myself drowning a lot of the time um within the within the work um and falling behind a little bit and feeling like i had to work extra hard you know yeah, but it's interesting because I think that like the reason I asked that is I think mm. education in music is such a um such a weird thing because there's so much that you can get in education but there's so much you can get outside of education as well and I guess Huge, it's not yeah. really for everybody is it depending on what it is you want to play. Um You don't the thing is at 18 you don't know what you need. You know what you want but you don't know and I still don't know <laughs> I'm 26 now. I still don't know what I need at all. Right. Um but I think 
you know, I was just so sure I needed to go to music college. And I loved the idea of doing jazz because in my view, jazz is the hardest music there is. You know, it's literally everything about harmony. It's going beyond the depth of changes and chords and, and notes upon notes upon notes. And it's so, there's so much to learn from it. So that's sure, why I sure. wanted to do it. But I don't know if it was the right course for me because it was, re- I found it really hard. And I found motivating myself to keep going just the eternal struggle really um and i sometimes wonder whether if i'd done a slightly lighter course um i would have felt better about myself and i would have had more (laughs) self-confidence because honestly it took me a long time to rebuild that afterwards i can imagine but i think that like i think you did the right thing i think Mm. that jazz for me is kind of like it's just i I think i feel like you have like jazz and classical and they're both like they're both like the ultimates in 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 where, in where they sit. You know what I mean. Mm, I feel like mm. if you can play jazz or if you know jazz well, you can do anything that stems out from that type of music. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean. And yeah. and um, it's like my I remember when I had the choice or when I was thinking about going to uni. I didn't go to uni, but um, it the thing that got me was I didn't I couldn't choose between doing jazz or classical. You know what mm. I mean. I couldn't I couldn't actually choose. I'm like well. Mm. Pff, I don't want to do either of those. <laughs> like, like, mm. like, and so it's like, I didn't want to do either of those, like just on their own. So I, there wasn't at the, that particular time, there wasn't kind of courses that. I see I that kind su- of, I did, yeah, yeah. That, yeah. That suited what I wanted to do. But at that, you know, there's more options now, but I mm. do think it's one of the things I always think like, you know what, if I could have done that all again, I would have just done a fucking jazz course because it's like, <laughs> no, do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you think to yourself, like at that time you think three years in three years, I'm going to be so so big you don't even understand yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you just don't even so i didn't want to waste that time but it wouldn't have been a waste of time because it would have blinked and i would have been finished and you know yeah before, i mean i think yeah. what um the thing i learned the most about jazz course and i think it was within our first week and um, the head of faculty said the you know all we're trying to teach you is how to practice. Once you've learned how to right. practice, you can leave at any point. And it's <laughs> right, so true right. because to right. this day, you know, I'm still figuring out practice routine, you know, like it's, and the freedom of a conservatoire is that actually you don't have to be in, in class that much. You know, there's very few contact hours really. Um, so in a way they're just testing to see how well you can practice and how much practice you're going to do. So yeah, there's the freedom to go, actually, do you know what I'm going to do these Arben or Clark studies, which are really classical, really regimented, um, trumpet studies that every classical musician has to do. Um, Mm -hmm. I could spend two hours doing that and then I'll do the jazz for the rest of the day. You know, there's so much freedom Mm -hmm. to do that. It's just the mental capacity. That's what's really hard when you're 19 and you kind of want to have a fresher experience. Sure. Um, Sure. Sure. And you're going, I really want to hang out with my friends and all your friends are like, yeah, I'm doing six hours practice today. And you're like, okay, for (laughs) fuck's sake. I'll join you guys. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Shit. I picked the wrong course. (laughs) But, um, it does, it definitely taught me a lot about, about that sort of thing. And I'm, I'm still trying to learn all that stuff really. So what's your practice regime like now? Because um, I notice on your Instagram, you're just shedding all the time, just like (laughs) playing tunes. It's like, you make me feel bad. I'm like, shit, maybe I should be practicing. Wait a second. Tell me about your practice regime. Well, I've had this um, talk with some friends of mine who are guitarists, actually, or keyboardists. And I think there is a big difference sometimes because... Everyone... We don't practice. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to say it. Yeah. Um, 
Just I mean, saying, just you know. <laughs> but there's, we, get, there's, we, get, we get half decent and we stop. Like, guys, cool. Yeah, I yeah mate, <laughs> I, I would. I fucking would. I'm still trying to get half decent. But the thing yeah. is, um, I think with something like the trumpet and obviously like other brass instruments, it's the same. It's there's such a need to keep playing. You know, like like I said before, yeah. if I don't practice Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday the weekend gigs are going to be shocking, you know. So wow. I yeah. have to do it because, you know, like we all do, we need that muscle build. We need to feel comfortable that we can get that top C um, on Saturday. If I can't get it on Thursday, probably won't be able to get it on Saturday. You know, so it's so much about <laughs> right. the physical side of it. Um, wow. wow. So I do, and and on Instagram I did a lot of transcriptions um, for a long time. I think I've done about 100 now, which is a bit embarrassing. Wow. But um, the part of the reason I did transcriptions was um, I got really depressed, as a lot of musicians do um, for a long time. And one, you know, like motivation and determination when you're feeling depressed is really hard to come by. So Mm -hmm. I Mm -hmm. found that the only way that I could keep playing the trumpet throughout the week so I could keep doing my gigs was to transcribe because it was it's basically practice where you're not thinking about yourself you're just focused it's kind of a memory exercise you're listening to a solo and you have to try and emulate the style the articulation all the little inflections that they're doing and Mm -hmm. for like those three four hours where you're just wholly focusing on the solo Mm -hmm. um you're just not thinking about yourself you're not worried about how you're playing you're not you know, you're not going, oh, I didn't get those scales in, or oh, I haven't, my tone isn't very good there. You're just going, I need to get this solo down. And there's sure, something sure. really um, encouraging and useful about that process. I mean, I think I do too much of it, to be honest. I think 100 transcriptions is fucking ridiculous, but it well, really you know. helped me <laughs> yeah, get that's from A it. to B, it, you know. Yeah, if it works for you, then shit. Mm. I mean, like I said, it's like, a, it's better than zero. <laughs> yeah, it's, I mean? it was playing, it was playing, definitely. Um, yeah, but... Yeah, and, when, and, when you, and, and when you do that, will you sort of just do that in an, like just listening, or will you actually write? Will you actually transcribe and write down the solos? Um, I I started off writing some of them down, but to be honest, mm-hmm. I don't do it for that. I'm not really doing it personally for the, the harmonic development, or, or not really trying to learn why they're doing the phrases they're doing. For mm-hmm. me, usually it's more of a meditation process and a stamina build up, um, and it's more just like a memory exercise just being in the moment just i have to learn this thing if i stop now i'm going to forget what i just did so i have to keep going for the next couple of hours so there's like that kind of um mental workout that i think i do it for so no i I don't write them down anymore but i try and uh, pick out certain phrases that are really useful or that i you know would really help get get me from that chord to that chord and, and try and put them in all keys and that sort of thing. But sure, I sure. think I would recommend writing them out because that's also just a great exercise in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's great advice. But um, so coming out of uni, what were you mm. actually, what were you wanting to do? What were you thinking? Oh, man. I mean, I've, <laughs> I've been a low achiever my whole life. <laughs> I've always felt like if I can make money playing the trumpet, I'll be happy. And so I kind right. of reached there kind of early um so <laughs> right. I've 50 been quid quite... shit i can do this every day <laughs> you have no honestly you have no idea I'm, I'm such a low achiever so but in a way that's it's been great because you know i've said yes to a lot of gigs just because of the money that maybe i wouldn't have done otherwise or sure. you know um maybe a bit more business savvy than some of my other friends in that way so um i was when i was at uni i got into high on heels which is a great um all-female uh, DJ Live Collective mm-hmm. um, 
Um, don't play with them anymore, but they're a great, great group of girls. And um, yeah, I'd never done anything like that before. So obviously, you know, DJ Live is just when there's a, you know, a DJ playing and then you get musicians to pop out and, and play around. And it kind of gives the audience, especially in those really commercial settings, it gives the audience like a live interactive element, which, which can be really yeah. fun. Yeah, um, yeah, absolutely. And it's often at those really high-end um, events or corporate corporate gigs um so I was very wet behind this I was about 19 or 20 when I started doing that and having been used to being the only girl in an all-male jazz band and used to right. try and clothe myself as um male as possible you know like black baggy <laughs> t-shirts a baseball cap you know trying to look as um camouflage as possible suddenly wearing right. high heels and a mini dress and um, i was <laughs> right. so uncomfortable <laughs> i could but, imagine um, oh my god so i did a lot of that while i was at uni um and got more more and more confidence and kind of learned how to you know do the glamorous thing while still making myself feel comfortable and doing it in my own way a bit. Um, I spent a few years working that out. And then by the time I'd come out of uni, um, I was doing like a few of those gigs with different bands. Um, I, I started. I mean, how, um, how did you start sorry. doing them actually? How did you, how did you start doing the high on hills thing then? Um, they know this story, so it's not, it's not too terrible, but what's funny is um, I have a friend who plays a trumpet and He's kind of, he does some commercial stuff. And he mm-hmm. said, um, I was like, oh, how do you get into that commercial stuff? I really want to start making some money. And he <laughs> right. said, yeah, yeah, classic. <laughs> and he said, oh, well, there's this group called High on Heels, but I really don't think you should join it. It's, you, you know, it's kind of embarrassing and you want to keep doing the jazz and, you know, you don't want to really get mixed up in that sort of thing. And I wouldn't really do it, but they're called High on Heels <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, he leaves. And obviously the first thing I do is email the woman who runs it. <laughs> right. I was like, hi, I've heard about your thing. I really want to join. Um, and uh, after a couple of months I, I went for an audition and and ended up doing quite a lot of gigs for them for a few years which was great fun great and right. I got to travel loads and learn about that that world and and also learn about how well gigs can be paid for the first time sure. I was getting paid really decent wages um and it really you, changed my perception on on all that stuff really were you doing it with hip-hop holly yeah yeah she was yeah. on it um holly madge yeah. the ridiculous holly madge I forget do you know I forgot her real you know, I give everybody hip-hop holly <laughs> <laughs> I give everybody nicknames, and I actually forgot. Okay, yeah, Holly Madge. That's Holly it. I haven't oh, spoken mate, to her years. She's ridiculous. Yeah. So, so, so yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, anyway. yeah. I met her, and I also met Yasmin Ogilvy, who's a sax player. And we started recently, a couple of years ago, um, Apex Horns. So, um, and that's loads of stuffs come from that, which is amazing. Which so we're just basically an all female. Well, I say all female. It's just two of us. Um, right. Right. A horn section and we you know kind of sell our product and different groups or different agencies or recording artists ask us to come and play with them and and that's how we kind of came across George Ezra and and got involved with his band which was a big um, deal breaker for me really it was was a really cool gig so why did you decide to start a section like w- w- how did that come about um we just we, me and Yaz had been playing together for a while we'd been doing um the high on heels together for a long time and we'd been playing in other bands and other function bands and we kind of knew each other very well and, and are playing very well so it meant that whenever we improvised together we had to kind of do stuff free form you know it was always really fun and we were always picking each other's lines up and and it was just mm-hmm. something really um comfortable about it and we kind of realized that a lot of people were starting to do horn sections and sell themselves as a horn section like trumpet sax or two saxes and trumpet or 
you know, trombone. And it was quite a good way of um, not only us sticking together, and because sometimes you you can get lumped with musicians you're not always fond of or you don't really know how they're playing or where they've come from musically. So it was kind of a way that we knew that we could create something good and professional and and exciting. And maybe we could even be involved in writing some of the horn lines for stuff, which is something I really Mm -hmm. love doing, and so does Yaz. Um, And also just give us a bit of diversity in terms of bigger groups or more recording style stuff or DJ stuff. Um, and it kind of, yeah, it went really well. We got really good feedback from it and, and got some really cool, cool events from it. It's fantastic. So tell me about how, um, how, how did the George Ezra thing come about for you guys as a section? Um, so I, I might have remembered it wrong, but I think they were looking for a sax player and they were thinking mm-hmm. about a new trumpet player. And, um, you know, they'd been looking around a little bit and I know that the percussionist or drummer for the, for the band had already worked with Yasmin on one gig. So I think mm-hmm. he put her name in the ring mm-hmm. and um, they came across a video, his Instagram doing its job again. They came across a video <laughs> of me and Yas playing um, in a funk band, Goodfoot, um, that we, we'd... Um, I was thinking I was playing flugel on that on that track, and, and she was on tenor, and we having a good time. Like it's a really fun soul band, and they just came across that video and and got in touch with us both, and and kind of said, look, we think we think we're going to book you for this band, and because of everything I put online, and obviously Yaz had done the same, um, mm-hmm. all like stuff on Instagram or done our websites good enough. They didn't need an audition. They didn't want to interview us. They were just like, we know that you're going to be good for this, and um, we want to have you, which was ridiculous, and. Uh, an amazing yeah. opportunity um, and was definitely the biggest gig I'd, I'd ever done. So it was, yeah, it was really humbling. And how long were you guys or how long have you guys been doing that so far? And what was the touring like and stuff like that? Um, so we joined in 2019, like very beginning, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. like February. I think we had a gig at the Brits. The Brit Awards was our first first gig. Um, and oh, actually, wow. I don't get nervous. I'm always quite proud of the fact that I, you know, not too much scares me but um in terms of performing yeah. a lot of other stuff fucking scares me growing up one of them kojo <laughs> yeah <laughs> but um, i've got enough stuff going on there but um in terms of playing i'm never really get nervous but before the brit i don't know what it was whether it's because we knew we had a big tour coming up or yeah, because i knew yeah, it was yeah. a really big gig for me or whatever i was getting up at six in the morning every day just to throw up for about <laughs> two weeks and wow. on the clock like six o'clock i'd wake up okay i'm gonna throw up cool go back to bed that's fine <laughs> do the rehearsals whatever um but oh, we had God. the brit awards and then from that we had um about six weeks of a like a UK tour and then six weeks of um, a European tour of something something like that um, and it was all arenas um, and it was all sold out we had um, Sigrid was um, support act for the UK and the Hot 8 Brass Band was support act for Europe which was uh, unbelievable and then we got to do all the festivals so like like I said we did Glastonbury Latitude um Benny Kasim, um some of the ones like it was just yeah it was a whirlwind um best year of my life definitely like incredible amazing. Um, amazing and the band are just phenomenal so it was great fun really good experience yeah yeah no I was just um I was thinking so how was that for you adapting I guess musically I guess coming from like a very jazz background mm. and then high on hills which is quite kind of improvisational mm. i imagine mm. and then having you doing the function thing how was it then applying what you and yasmin were doing um i guess in a pop context 
Oh man, like it was, I learnt a lot, it was definitely a lesson and there had been a trumpet player previously who was classical um, uh-huh. and I think a really excellent trumpet player so I was feeling, you know, nervous about that and I felt like I needed to get my chops up and get my technique in shape mm-hmm. um, and um, so that, you know, I was ready for it um, because it's playing the same gig every night um, Yeah, it's yeah. also, you know, what I really appreciate about George and the arranger um, and MD James Wyatt is um, there was trumpets on every track. There was um, brass on all the songs, you know, so we didn't have any time off stage. We were on the stage all the time. They had loads of different parts. We even got solos, which was awesome. Um, I think me and Yaz were both, um, you know, a bit cautious and a bit nervous about playing in the right style and fitting in with the rest of the band okay. But luckily, we did get some time before, like about a month before, to kind of mentally listen to all the music, kind of hear what the vibe was and what maybe George was after sound-wise from us and and how we could really um, add to the sound um, and make it sound as as fun and as energetic as I think they needed it to for that big live live show. Um, Yeah, yeah, and his music is very fun as well isn't it it's, it's so fun. yeah it's really yeah. fun it's so accessible and really um yeah just really enjoyable music you know you can't not nod your head and tap your foot and and belt out the chorus line you know which is what you want <laughs> absolutely <laughs> absolutely so were you getting so you mentioned this so were the lines already written a lot of the time or were you guys having to come up with lines or add bits and pieces like how was that well to james wyatt's credit we spent just like four days four or five days in um, rehearsals just um he came up with stuff on the spot like swear to god like he was yeah, there with yeah. the piano and he was going okay why don't you guys do this now and if you play that note you can play that note and for about i don't know how many tracks there were maybe six 16 t- tunes or i don't know maybe 20 tunes he'd come up with all these new arrangements for mm-hmm. so it was me um yaz on sax and matthew benson on trombone and it was beautiful parts like really sometimes energetic like fun um sure. almost reggae kind of parts and then other times it was really um chorus um almost brass band kind of sounding um stuff sure, really sure. like lots of harmonies very fun yeah but it, it was all kind of come up with on the spot and um and yeah, like I said, we got to improvise towards the end, which was awesome. Um, I'm very pleased that I got to solo on, on the pyramid stage at Glastonbury. It's kind of an achievement. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely of. like bucket list. Tick that off. Like. Oh, totally. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Jesus, yeah, it's interesting. That whole, I think, um, coming up like, like coming up with lines for pop music is, um, it's a really a big part of it because a lot of the gigs that I've personally done where there's horns, it's like there isn't as oftentimes there's not horns on all the songs. So you there is an element where you're sort of having to create things on the spot, either you know with with the section or with on your own or whatever but it's yeah. for me i usually do it with the section I, I i usually let them do come up with something and then they just say then i just basically edit it to fuck <laughs> basically um <laughs> but it, you know it always we always end up with something that works but yeah the, but that is an element because i think that that's important for people to know that like a lot of the times on pop music they might call in horns but there ain't no horn lines do you know what i mean yeah, so, yeah. so there's, and there's you know what that's of- a gift i always think that's such a gift when they don't have strict horn lines and you you kind of have freedom even if sometimes you have to you know nudge your way in a little bit and go actually yeah, I really yeah. think this line would sound good here because in a way you're the one that should know best you know it's your instrument and it's what this you do this is my thing yeah mm. yeah yeah i'd imagine so and it's like you, you you got you guys play horn lines all the time you're you know you're listening to horn lines all the time so i think that you would always want to take that kind of um 
that advice or that sort of like lead from totally um, that's definitely to be honest that's my favorite thing to do um i i always say my big thing is not so much melodies but counter melodies i love when they haven't really come up with an idea for the horns yet and i'm able to go oh actually can i just do this little thing here and if you like it we'll add some harmonies or something um right that's something actually that we did with the soul band a lot luckily they kind of let us do whatever we wanted and we ended up coming up with some really lovely just counter melodies and um little extra riffs that kind of gave the solos an extra bounce or something and yeah we both love love writing stuff like that so and also because like i'm such a huge stevie wonder fan and his counter melodies are sometimes way more powerful than the actual ma- main line so yeah, um, yeah i yeah. love all that stuff and you can say so much you know so yeah that's great fun and i yeah like like you said i love it when they kind of let you do that sometimes in, in bands so that takes me on to my next question really you um you put out a record last year yeah, yeah, I did. Sounds <laughs> good when you that. say it. <laughs> no, I did but put you out did, a record. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds awesome. Uh, yeah, no, but um, I really like it. By the way, I was um, thank yeah, you. I really, really like the record. Like, tell me about how that came about and why it came about. Um, so kind of at the same time that I joined the George Ezra band, um, I'd come out of therapy for the first time in about seven years and kind of saw the light, <laughs> you know, in a way mm-hmm. and and had this weight lifted um, for the first time, which was just amazing. And um, yeah, I was really lucky that it happened at that time. And having met James Wyatt from the George Ezra band and have the confidence, I think, and boosted my esteem a little bit being in that band and feeling like I was in the right place at the right time. I had kind of the confidence to come up with this little tune, um, uh, basically for people that were also struggling with depression and and maybe couldn't see a way out. Mm -hmm. And I felt like I needed to yell that actually it can get better um, and you can come out of it. Even if you do end up going back, there's there's sometimes a break and that's so to be um, appreciated, you know, and, and to stick out for. Absolutely. Um, so I wrote this tune and I'm so glad that James Wyatt, I sent it to James and he said, uh, he said, it's great, let's just run with it, let's try and get this done. And within mm-hmm. a week, um, every musician that we got in touch with sent us their parts remotely. Um, I, you know, able to talk to my friends and try and get them to get the groove I was interested in. Like, I'm a really big, like I mentioned, Stevie fan, and I love that mm-hmm. things like Superstition. It's actually yeah, yeah. content that's really heavy, and the music is actually about something really dark and a bit sad. Um, yeah, but he's yeah, able yeah. to make it into this really funky groove and Absolutely. you know it's so accessible people are singing it at weddings people are singing it at bar mitzvahs you know and that's <laughs> that's, right. that's pretty fucking good writing so I definitely wanted to have some like fun upbeat groove um, so that you know you could kind of maybe forget how dark and maybe deep the lyrics were mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and yeah I was looking to get Kate Threlfall um, singer on it um, like I mentioned, I'm not a great singer, so I was really excited to get someone to actually <laughs> get that story across a lot better than I could. Um, and yeah, and then uh, we kind of put it on Bandcamp. Um, I managed to get some friends of mine, like other instrumentalists, to do their own versions and, and start doing their own kind of solos over the top, just to kind of spread the word and spread the song out a little bit. And um, then Sony Masterworks, the head of Sony Masterworks, heard it on Instagram. Again, Instagram. <laughs> Um, I owe everything to fucking Instagram, man. <laughs> Who'd have thunk it? Um, but uh, she came across it on that and got in touch. And um, by the end of the year, they'd signed me up or signed that song to Sony with all the proceeds going to Samaritan. So it was a ridiculous, oh, ridiculous experience for me. Um, and really was like 
kind of a light bulb moment of like when your confidence and you're in the right place at the right time and everything comes together like that and sure, you know sure. sometimes that creative spark is just you know I'm not saying it's the best song in the world but it was a wonderful moment for me to feel like I was doing something good and um do it. I was where I was supposed to be in music you know but I think that it's so important just to do things sometimes too I think that like that's really why we all kind of make music and are creative people. And I think that it's a big difference between having an idea and then actually carrying it through and seeing it through and, you know, seeing it to fruition is like an amazing achievement. So you should really be proud of that. I think it's Thank fantastic. You, you know, I and mean, again, I agree it, totally. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. It's not, it's not something that everybody does. You know what I mean? Mm. I think particularly in the session world, I find that oftentimes there's a lot of frustration because people are playing, you're playing a lots of different people's music mm. and you're doing a lot of things for other people or with other people, sometimes just for money, sometimes for fun. But I think that like where you do have the kind of desire to be creative, I think when you can exercise that, that's an amazing thing. And it mm. takes um, it takes a lot of courage and it takes a lot of hustle to make that happen. So yes, I think that's true. a great thing. Yeah. Thanks. So. I mean, I think when you're an instrumentalist of any kind or, you know, a singer as well, I suppose, um, you kind of do get bogged down in the technicalities of it and, oh, he's better than me or she's better than me and you get so caught up in that bubble and I think to overcome that and have some self-esteem enough to be able to go, no, this is a good idea, like, I'm going to do this idea, that's a huge thing to do and I think there's a time and a place to be humble and there's a time and a place to be, you know, forthright. Can you say that forthright? I don't know. Just say um, it, man. I'm going to say it. Fuck it. Fourth <laughs> right. Fuck it. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. so there's, you know, there's a time and a place to, to be more confident and to get your voice out. Um, I think Absolutely. something that really helped me was writing a song that wasn't really about me or promoting mm-hmm. me massively. I mm-hmm. found that was quite a nice way in of being able to push the song and feel confident about the song without being like this is who I am and I'm this big deal and you know which maybe I was struggling with before and it was actually this is about this thing that I really care about and I think other people might care about and here's an amazing singer I want to show off and here's a great keyboardist I want to show off and being able to do it that way I think was way more comfortable for me um you know I hope that I'll be able to write stuff in the future and and feel really good about it because it's totally my thing. But I think that really helped um, just kind of made me step outside and observe it a little bit more and go, actually, I think this is cool. Like, guys, I think we should do this now and and we should get these people in to do that bit. And, you know, because it was about this other thing and it wasn't just my um, ego, you know. Sure, sure, sure. Correct me if I'm wrong or if I say something stupid, because that happens all the fucking time. Same, but, um, man. <laughs> but, um, but I just the said forthright. I don't think that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but the record, um, it is about mental health, right? Yeah, it's, it's yeah. basically says, um, what if, what if it gets better? You know, what if the storm passes? And what if this feeling you've got now isn't there tomorrow? Because when I was feeling depressed, the thing that stopped me from committing suicide, to be completely honest, was mm. what if in 10 years time, this actually has all left me and I'm actually doing really well. And if I kill myself now, I'm not going to mm-hmm. be able to get there. or I'm not going to be able to see that. Um, that's the thing Absolutely. that mainly hold, held me back from, from doing anything um, too drastic. And so that's what I was trying to encourage other people to do. So yeah, it is, it is about mental health. That's an amazing message. That's fucking fantastic. <laughs> that, that, no, absolutely. And it's really, really important. I think that um, there needs to be more more, um, more messages like that put out there um, for all types of people. But I was just curious, do you feel that um, 
I guess within the musician community that mental health um, is an issue that's kind of maybe not spoken about too often? Oh, man. I mean, it's huge everywhere. I mean, something that I always think about is it being like the biggest, isn't it the biggest killer of males between the ages of 18 and 35? That's right. That's right. That's That's ridiculous. Like, that's crazy. Um, And so sad. And we have to really pay attention to it in that case. You know, we we talk so much about the big diseases and the big killers, um, but we don't seem to talk so much about mental health. Although I think things are changing. Um, I think in music, you know, so many of my friends um, are struggling with different kinds of mental health issues and, and problems. And, and I have, and, you know, most people I know, because to be a musician, there's a lot of alone time, I think, you know, there's a lot of time where you're just practicing on something, or you're just trying to get better. And you, you know, you need that drive, and you need that inward focus but sometimes it's too much and you're you're just too constantly looking inward and you're too constantly looking at you know what you're doing wrong and what you need to work on and and that's hard especially when you're you know maybe early 20s and you're still figuring life out and you're figuring out what your parents are doing now and you know, there's Absolutely. a whole heap of things going on um and you've got to be in touch with your emotions to be able to convey good music you know so i have noticed that a lot of the you know music community struggle with mental health or have mental health um things going on um and in a way that makes us so powerful to to say things and to get it out there in in a in our way of doing it you know absolutely i think it's something i've come across a lot just in regular life um aside from music life but i think that um you know it's um I, i think that the music industry and music in particular, like you said, there's certain things about it, which I think can be really challenging for people. Um, there's a lot of isolation, A, but then it's very competitive industry. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of judgment oftentimes um, about you and what you're doing and what you're not yeah. doing and how you should be doing it and this and that, whatever. Um, in addition to that, it's very unforgiving. It's a very unforgiving business. You know, you yeah, can pour your yeah. heart into something yeah. and people can turn around and be like, yeah, no, next. You're like, well, yeah, what? Totally, totally. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And as well as that, there's no sort of guarantees with it. You know, there's mm. no, there's no thing that says if you practice for this amount of time and if you do this for this amount of time, that at the end of that, you'll get this. You'll there, be here. Yeah, yeah. You'll be here. There's no sort of promise. So I think that it is, um, it's very challenging and you, there's also lots of period sometimes where people aren't working you know people are unable to to get work unable to play unable to um make a living through music so it's something that i think um it's really really great to address and i Mm. think that for people that are are having issues with that they shouldn't feel ashamed or afraid to speak about it and to get help I think uh, what something I've really learned is the power of creativity. I think I spent such a long time focusing on the trumpet and I always will. That'll always be my voice. And it's something I'll, you know, I always still live and breathe, whether I fucking hate the trumpet or I love it, you know, which (laughs) really depends on the morning. (laughs) You know, when I wake up, it depends how that feels. But, you know, that's always going to be in me. I love that instrument. um, And it's it's a big part of who I feel like I am. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think something I've really taken away in the past couple of years um, since feeling a lot better and feeling a lot stronger is, you know, you can play the instrument so well and there's going to be so many other people that can play it maybe better in some ways or maybe worse in some ways. But the way that you express musically or the way that you think about music or the way that you hear a melody, that's all you. And there's no wrong way of that happening. Oh, there's no hell, wrong yes, way right. of you. There's no wrong melody you can speak or there's no, you know, 
when you create that's wholly you and that's amazing that's and right. that's i think that's what's helped me is kind of try and write more music and try and put myself out there a little bit more creatively because i feel like if i can balance you know doing lots of fun gigs and and being with my friends and playing lots of these like fun corporate gigs or some big events or big arenas or whatever and then come home and write a tune like that's yeah, yeah, hopefully yeah. that's a nice balance between yeah I'm really good at the trumpet but there's also really good trumpet players out there and maybe I could be replaced tomorrow but it's okay because I've still got this thing here which is you know Absolutely. that melody I wrote last week or that idea that I had for that song or that beat that I really want to include you know so I think that's something that can keep us going because definitely you're right there's it's very competitive and you can get bogged down in that um but the creative thing no one can take from you so in a way that's where you can get your power from absolutely and i think on all levels there's only one you do you know what i mean so you just have to i just feel like you just got to go with it and it's kind of like you know if people like it they like it if they don't they don't and you just keep it moving and going to something else but i think that it's really you know that it's a take it's difficult to have that confidence or or I don't know brashness. I, I don't know, but I just feel I, I just feel as if there's only everybody is unique and everybody has something to give and something to share. And yeah. um, and I think it's important that you express that, irrespective of what it does. That that that's the other thing as yeah. well. It's like it doesn't always have to be like it doesn't always have to be like some fucking massive end game where it's like oh well if I don't make it to the arena then I fe-. it doesn't always have to be that. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a really <laughs> bleak outlook. Just, <laughs> no, yeah, but some people feel like that. They feel mm. as if they have to do but it doesn't have to be that it can just be something that you want to get out of yourself and something you want to express and something you want to do and and, and, and that can be enough you know Um, talking about that like competitive thing i think something i've been thinking about a lot recently is you know good music is just good i think that's the classic miles quote actually um no matter what genre it is or no matter where it comes from or who plays it it's just good music and any good musician can tell what a good musician is you know yeah I, you know, I can hear when someone's got a range, but I might not pick that person for the band if they're not the right fit for the band, or That's you probably right. find that all the time. You yeah. know, you, you just recognise a good musician, and so the best thing you can do, I think, as a musician is be honest, and right. keep your head down, keep playing, keep practising, and just stay open to learning new band, like, learning new music, being in different bands, being in different settings, Um and then people respond to that, you know. I feel like people really respond to someone who, you know, admit maybe they're not the best at this thing, but they're really good at this thing and they really enjoy that music. Or maybe they don't, you know, play the highest notes, but they love big band music and they're really good at third trumpet, you know, like... Yeah, yeah, People yeah, yeah. just respond to an openness and an honesty in, in music, as we do in fucking everything, let's be honest. Absolutely, absolutely, man, absolutely. So tell me something, like, mm-hmm. do you write lyrics also? Um... I shouldn't, Kojo. <laughs> I, do I do write yeah. them. I do write them. But I'll be honest, right. they're very uh, questionable. Um, right. I mean, yeah, I'll be, I'll, I, I like the challenge of writing lyrics. I want to push myself to doing kind of, if I'm going to write the song, I want to push myself to doing every part of the song. Sure, um, sure. And there's no reason why I shouldn't do them, really. But... Um, I, yeah, I, I, they're not going to go into like the poetry society of you know, <laughs> the world. So they're really um, simple. I like to keep them simple. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. But it's good though. So when you, but I mean, I'm just thinking. So when you're writing and when you're creating mm. music, are you, mm. um, are you using, are you working on keys or how does that work with trumpet? That's I'm trying to. That's what I was trying to yeah. imagine. No, yeah. I try and stay clear of trumpet to be honest, because yeah. um, 
I don't know. I, I love, I feel more creative coming up with a concept that I really like. So, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. um, so I wrote this song a couple of weeks ago for lockdown, really. Um, I realized that Help Musicians UK had been giving money, um, to loads of musicians that were obviously without, without work. Um, mm-hmm. and it was just a, such a good grant that they were giving out basically for any musician who applied. Um, so I wanted to raise some money for them to give somebody back. And um, I wrote this song, Open Up Her Heart, mainly because I was being a bit of a frosty bitch to my poor boyfriend. <laughs> right, 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 and I was right. going, you know, just be patient with me. I'll open up. And right, so right, I kind right. of wrote that song based on that, just a kind of riff I'd come up with in my head. And I got on keys and I, I love chords. I really am a bit of a chord nerd. And, I, you know, I'd love to be better at the piano, but I, I'm able to kind of basically get round. Um, and so if I'm playing the piano, I can kind of come up with the lyric here and, and figure out how we're going to get to the bridge and all that stuff. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And then trumpet kind of comes later when I'm thinking about more like lines. But most of what I do is, is just from singing it. Like I have a lot of right. voice notes of just singing little riffs or bass lines or little ideas and, and even horn lines I'll sing first. Right, um, right. Because I really think that's the first instrument, isn't it? It's your voice. Of course. And, and you've got to have some confidence in that, even if it's a terrible voice. Um, yeah, no, no, no. But it's, but you, but it, yeah, but that is really, really important because sometimes people feel like if they can't play something that they can't do it. But you know, you can fucking hum some shit. Do you know what I mean? You exactly. Just, oh, you totally. Just, you just sometimes you got to go with it and give it a and, shot. And, and again, working with other people, like I'm really lucky. I did kind of an album last year just because I wanted to force myself to do like a whole collection of songs. So I wrote. Um, Mainly by myself, I wrote these like eight songs, um, but I had a couple like couple songs I didn't really know how to get from A to B, or I was kind of struggling with them. So mm-hmm. I brought them to my friend um, Stefan Malovsky, who's a guitarist I've known for a long time, mm-hmm. and um, you know I was just able to sing him some ideas, and he just came up with chords. He's just so good at you know so coming up with different chords and stuff. And I realised that actually working with other people is such a good way of getting creative ideas across because you get someone else's kind of history of music and their kind of reference points and sometimes that can be really helpful sometimes it can be really fucking annoying but in general (laughs) it's useful to have someone else there who you know like I hold my hands up I don't know you know a lot about chords and there's a lot of stuff that I get wrong sometimes so I love working with people who are really chordal based and so that I can get my melody across to them and and in the same way you know sometimes people just come to me just for a counter melody for something or just go I kind of want this for a kind of chorus line what do you think Um, so that's a wonderful way of like collaborating and keeping it um hopefully as good music as possible well i think people forget i was saying this to somebody the other day but like you know particularly contemporary music it is essentially it you know it it started um as being very collaborative in general do you know what Mm, i mean so it's like you know it's only when you fucking had like studios and recording and sequences. Really, it's just the ability to sequence whereby everybody's just fucking nerds in their own room, just <laughs> making music alone. Do you know what mm, I mean? But mm. before that, you know, if you wanted to play, you had to play with other people. You had to join a band. You had to get with a band. And it, and it, it kind of, it's, I think that sort of communion between other musicians is really healthy. And like you said, it's a, um, yeah, it's a pain in the ass sometimes because you don't always get what you want. But yeah, what yeah. you can, what you, what you kind of come out with is probably better or yeah. often oftentimes better than if you just try to do it all yourself do you know what I yeah, mean yeah yeah I mean I think when the spirit takes you and you go fuck me I've got this really good idea I'm just gonna run with it this is you know I'm yeah. really confident that's you know obviously you need to do that but yeah definitely you can't 
make the music any worse by opening the floor up and going, <laughs> actually, I don't really know this, what to do here, and someone else coming in, especially if that's their instrument. If, you know, if you're talking to a bassist and you that's go, right. I don't really know what bass line, there's probably a good person to talk to, you know. Yeah. Um, and, you know, <laughs> exactly. hopefully you surround yourself with people that are kind of like-minded and kind of open as well. And I think yeah. that's, that's the most powerful thing you can do as a musician is kind of be around and be friendly with people who you really respect as musicians because people are always up for talking about music and always up for, you know, sharing and, and collaborating because it's an art form. And, you know, I I haven't come across a lot of snobby, you know, selfish musicians. I wouldn't, you wouldn't be around them, you know, I wouldn't play with them. So I think that's a wonderful thing you can do is be around other like-minded musicians who kind of want to, figure stuff out together and, and ask advice from other people and, and be open and, and you learn a lot. You learn loads And from that. sometimes, even if it's just an honest fucking opinion, do you know what I mean? Sometimes oh, even man, that yeah. is super That's helpful. The best. Do, you know I mean? the best, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? And um, I offer that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I will tell you it is shit in a second. <laughs> I'm not playing that. Thank you. <laughs> Here's a better idea. No, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so with all that, are you planning to release more music um do you know what i'm kind of collecting my thoughts a bit at the moment because mm-hmm. um i really love that i've been doing some stuff for um charities and and uh, you know i like the idea of i always want to write music that's community driven um, mm-hmm. and that somehow helps other people whether that's true or me just being a bit righteous i'm not sure but um <laughs> i think I, I'm not, I'm not, basically, I don't know. I don't know what I want to do. I, I like the idea of doing like a big collaborative album and getting basically all my friends involved and maybe the only element that's to do with me is just I write the songs. Um, mm-hmm. But everything else is up to those guys. I think I'd love to do that and just love to hear how that sounds. Um, and mainly just to show off some of the amazing singers I know. Um, I'd love, I'd love to do that. Um, and I'd love to keep playing, you know, on the side. I'd love to... I've still got some bucket list things I want to tick off, you know, I still want to get to somewhere and I fucking want to get better at the trumpet to be completely honest, go Joe. <laughs> right. I'm not where I want to be. I want to keep working on that. Um, sure. So yeah, there's a lot, there's a lot of stuff I want to get done, but I'm also aware that in five years time, I might have totally different goals. You know, I, I never thought I'd write music to be honest. Um, and then last year that totally yeah, changed. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, we'll see. It's all, it's all fun though. Yeah. How do you see this next few years for you developing um, in terms of your career? How would you like it to develop? Oh, man, I, I, I think I got the touring bug, you know. Um, yeah? I did, yeah. So 2019, I ended up doing that George tour, and then I did um European tour a lot very very different budget (laughs) went from this like deluxe tour books to the van um, which is fine (laughs) but uh, so I did a bit of that and then I did another tour with the Magic Gang um, just in March actually just as we were starting to lock down got cut short unfortunately but I definitely love touring I love traveling and I kind of love I'd love to keep doing some of the bigger tours. I mean, I feel like everyone wants to do that at some point. Um, I feel like I need to get that more of my system. Um, Mm, And yeah, mm. I've got some, you know, trumpet achievements. I kind of want to, I want to feel better about my playing still. I still want, there's stuff I want to work on. I play with Mm -hmm. a band called Kansas Smitties, um, who's a great um, jazz band based in, usually based in um, East, East London. Okay. 
And they've really been pushing me um, to keep practicing jazz and keep practicing the changes and the improvising and, and all that stuff. So I'd like to I'd like to still get better at that and work on that for the next few years. But I'd love eventually for most of my income to come through songwriting um, mm-hmm. or, you know, working on boards with people and being in a room of, of, of writers and someone going, OK, we need this for the bridge and kind of coming up with those sorts of briefs. Um, I'd love to do more of that. Um, hopefully there's some of that in my future. Who wow, knows? Amazing. No, maybe you never or maybe know. just change direction altogether. And but you know, but it's good to call <laughs> these things out, man. You never really know. I mean, like in regards to writing music too. Like, like where where would you? How do you see that developing? Would you mainly like to do sort of like jazz, jazz, funk, soul, or would you do more contemporary stuff? Like, how do you see yourself developing as a writer? Also, mm, I mean, I'd like to push myself to doing some jazz, but to be honest, I really enjoy pop songs. I really enjoy. Mm-hmm writing a good pop song, um, coming up with the lyrics and coming up with a idea, you know, mm-hmm. um, I'd, I'd like to do more of that. I think I'd like to work, start working with other songwriters because I've never sure. done that. I've never worked with other, um, songwriters in that way. So I'd like to kind of see how I, how I work in that kind of setting. Um, that's and really yeah, interesting. Yeah. Well, what, ty- what type of what type of artists would you like to write for? Like, if you could have, oh, I would love for that person to sing one of my songs, or I would love to be on that album. Who would that be? Do you know what? Um, I was going to say, I was going to say Yebba Smith. Um, okay, okay. Just because her voice is ridiculous, and um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to hear her sing anything I do. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But to be honest, it made me think of uh, that new album that she's on, that Mark Ronson album. I, to be honest, I haven't heard the album, but mm-hmm. I really love the idea of um, being a songwriter and having all these different amazing artists singing your songs. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, all like Carol King, kind of. I suppose she's done that in a way. I'd, sure, I'd, sure. I suppose I'd just like to have some bigger names kind of performing some of my some of my stuff but again it's, it's a bit pipe dreamy and I'm maybe a bit embarrassed no, to admit no. it <laughs> no but I think those are great things to kind of like mm. aim for and it's like you're still super young so it's yeah. like you don't know where this can all you know where, where it can all go so yeah it's just interesting for me to find out different things that you're into and different yeah, things yeah. that um you have um you know, in in your sort of like in in your mind, and I think it's important for I think for all musicians as well. It's like it's good to be able to do lots of different things and have lots of different ideas about how you want to develop your career and different ways they can go. Because I think with music, there's so many different things you can do. You know, mm. people often get kind of trapped into thinking they just do one thing, but that's not actually the case. You know, you do spend all these years developing these skills, whether it be, yeah, whether it be A on an instrument, but it can just be musical still skills in terms of like understanding, listening, writing, do you know what I mean? Composing. Yeah, totally. um, and there's so many different ways that all of that can be kind of applied. And I think that it's important for people to know that hey you've you've spent 10 15 years developing these skills so you know you yeah. should be bold and open about what you can do with them you know so yeah and, and i'd say the same about different genres you know like i know quite a few musicians now at this age who are going mm-hmm. why the fuck did i spend 10 years doing fucking classical fugues <laughs> right. and whatever when i can't fucking use it now or you know or, yeah. or very <laughs> jazz musicians who are going i'm not getting paid for these gigs yeah. i'm gonna have to you know become a barista or something you know and so it's also I think when you're younger maybe you do have that real focus on this is the kind of musician I want to be and this is the music I want to play and that's the only thing I'm going to do and I think 
the older you get, maybe, I mean, who am I to fucking talk? But I think I've learned opening up a little bit and kind of being a bit a bit less fussy about sure. what I'm doing and just make sure that however you play is good. That's all that really matters. You know, whether you're doing DJ Live, a really corporate gig or a function band, or whether you're doing something really avant-garde or something really creative, it's still you playing it. So you're always in control of how good you play. And yeah. you, you never know who's in the audience. I think that's something that always encourages me is that even if it feels like you're fucking hell it's the third function i've done this week or it's you know it's a <laughs> right. gig i'm really not excited about you never know who's in the audience and who could be like checking you out um and who could be like sussing you out for for a new project something that could be really huge so it's always worth you know just putting yourself into something and and trying to be as as authentic as you can because you know it shows Absolutely, absolutely. So listen, if people wanted to kind of keep track of you and kind of tune into what you're doing, where's the best place for them to find you? Um, Instagram, I suppose. I mm -hmm. just got a new website uh, mm -hmm. because of lockdown. <laughs> I've had a lot more time. Um, <laughs> right, right. So I've got a website which is lilyontrumpet.com, um, just mm -hmm. one L. And mm -hmm. my Instagram is just Lily Karasik. But yeah, so between your Instagram and your website and whatnot, yeah, there's um, stuff can going get on. You. Yeah. Oh, fantastic. Well, listen, Lily, it has been absolutely fantastic talking to you. Oh, mate, it's been so lovely. Thanks for having me. It'll be great to do it again at some point. And, um, Definitely. And I look forward to hearing all the different things you do in the future. Thanks, man. See you soon. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. Thanks for listening. I personally found it fascinating talking to somebody with a different background a different journey but then you all end up on the same stage in the next episode I catch up with Anthony Lewis better known as Sweet Sticks fantastic drummer based in London long time collaborated with Jess Glenn with a keen interest in Ann R and a great ear for talent look out for it <laughs>